Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode, I'm digging into our show archives to bring you a conversation that most of you probably missed because we aired it so early on. But if you haven't heard this episode, you're missing out because it's an early conversation between me and Clay about how he built his first agency to over $100,000 a month in recurring revenue. Those of you who are quick at math have already figured out that that means over a million dollars in predictable recurring income every year. And Clay started the whole thing as a single freelancer just trying to figure out how it all works. It's an inspiring tale of hard work, passion, and smart business. Freelancers and agency builders at any stage can learn something from Clay's story, and I'll be back with it right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. I am pumped to chat with you, man, because, you know, we've been getting to know each other a little bit better over time here. You, you, as many longtime listeners of the show know, you were on, I think, season two of Freelance to yep, Founder. Season. Now, uh, you're going to be helping out as a co-host on the show, which I am beyond excited that you agreed to do. I think it's going to be insanely just packed with helpful uh, advice for some of our listeners and for some of our guests, we'll get into some of that detail later, but I wanted to start out and, and let the listeners know kind of who you are, what you're working on, and, um, and then we'll, we'll go back in, into your story, dive deeper into your story a little bit to talk about how you got here, but tell us what you're working on right now. Yeah, uh, so you know, it's so funny is ever since I aired that, or we recorded that podcast on the freelance founder, a lot of things have happened. Um, cause at that point, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure, but at that point I just had my, I had my agency, um, and I have since sold it. Um, but I am now running, uh, three, three different brands, three different companies. Um, so the, I, I, I would say it's more like I have a flagship company, more my quote unquote day job, uh, which is Dripify. So it's, um, it's an, it's the, what I call the ultimate learning platform for entrepreneurs. And, and then I have kind of the, what I call the side gigs. I, I started another agency, but that's mostly like maintaining my high level clients that I, that, that I kept. And then I have another web platform that I do on the side as well. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of juggling, uh, quite a few things, but I'm having, having a lot of fun and I'm, I'm super happy to be part of this, uh, this podcast. I want to, I want to back up a little bit and, and just talk through if people haven't heard your previous episode and if you haven't, I, I re-listened to it this morning. Um, and it's, it's a great 
episode about uh, your journey from being a freelancer or even before being a freelancer Mm -hmm. um, to then, like you told us, building this agency that you eventually sold. Now, that wasn't in the episode then, so we'll get into that in this this show. But maybe take us back kind of short version of pre-freelancer days because there's there's like the pre-freelancer days, then there's freelancing, and then there's building an agency. And I'd like to get into all of that here pretty quickly in this episode, and then we can extract, you know, helpful advice for people along the way. So let's, let's go like pre-freelancer days. Who was Clay before he was trying to work for himself? <laughs> this is a very fun question because the pre-freelancer days... I didn't even know the answer to that question. I, I still don't know what the answer yeah. to that question is. So that, that was the issue is I, I held, um, so I like, I, I graduated college in 05, 2005. And, and then I became a freelancer in 2015. So there was a 10 year span of me trying to figure myself out. And, and, uh, and this, is, this was in my 20s, right? So like, this is what, what you're supposed to spend your 20s on. It's like, hey, who am I as a person? <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I like, I held almost every, I swear in my mind, every type of job that you can think of. But fast forward to 2015, I, you know, I, I dabbled into, um, like up until that point, I, 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 t- I, t- I took a couple of classes like on website design, like coding, HTML, CSS, mm, yeah. um, you know, nothing to advance. And so like in 2014, I, I started a blog, you know, I kind of, as a hobby, just started playing around like trial and error type stuff. And so I found it very interesting. Like I was like, Oh, okay. I really enjoy this kind of stuff. So I, I started doing websites for people. Uh, just part-time on the side because, you know, I had student loans and like trying to make extra money on the side. Um, And so that's what I started doing. I did it for a year. And then in 2015, I got, I got fired from my job. I said, this is the last time I'm going to get fired from a job. Uh, And so I, you know, I, I took a, I took uh, quite a while to think about it. It was a few days. Um, to think, okay, what do I want to do next? Do I want to just go get another job or, or what? And so I was thinking, you know what? I really, I kind of like this website stuff. You know, I'm, I'm I, at that time I was very amateurish. Um, hence why I was selling websites for super inexpensive. And, but it, it, I, I decided to give it a go and I was like, I think I want to try to do it full time. And so that's where I went. That's when I started freelancing. And how were you, how were you finding clients in the early days? Like when it was a side thing and, and then maybe in the first few months of freelancing, how were you even, like, was it just family and friends, people you knew from before? Were you cold calling? What, what was the method? Yeah. So I didn't do, um, I didn't do any cold calling. I didn't do any marketing. Um, in fact, I didn't even have my own, my own like freelancing website. I had my blog, but I didn't even have my own freelancing website or website design company, like agency website yet. Yeah. Um, I, I, for, I didn't have it until the first like 10 clients, like two true 10 clients. Um, so I didn't do anything. I, what I did, what I relied on was what every other starting freelancer does is they hit their current network. So family, friends, colleagues, you know, just putting it out there on social media. Um, I didn't do a whole lot and, but it was enough to like put food on the table, you know, and yeah. that's, that's all I did. Um, well, it, and and there was just enough there sort of beating the bushes a little bit uh, to, to eke out a living. 
Yeah, you know, th- there was. And and but I don't get me wrong, like I was I was starving, you know, like I I was yeah. barely making it. And like every single dollar that came in, you know, a lot of people say they every every dollar that comes in they reinvest it back in the company. Like I wasn't doing that. Every single dollar yeah. that came in <laughs> It was going towards food and bills, right? Right. I've been there, totally <laughs> um, been there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was it, not just food. Like it was like the bottom of the grocery, the bottom of the shelf grocery aisle <laughs> food that is super inexpensive. That's the reason why they put it on the bottom of the shelf. Yeah. Um, it, it was that kind of food, you know, and, but it was enough and, and it, it, it did really help me because my business model at the, at the time was like, I'm going to sell really inexpensive websites um, for $500 a piece. And so that, that word got spread around. And so, and you know, as well as I do, like someone selling $500 websites, like there's going to yeah, be, if they're decent, going, like there's, yeah. there's going to be people that want that. Yeah. And yeah. I, if you're doing good I, work, I, like it's going to be impossible not to have people calling you up. Right. And I wouldn't call my work at that point decent. I mean, it was like, <laughs> It was enough for some people. I will say that <laughs> it was enough and it was worth $500 for some people. And so yeah. it was, uh, you know, I made, I made some money. So. And, and you're married at the time, right? Yeah. At the time I was married. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm married now, but I was, yeah, I was, sorry. I should, yeah, I was, <laughs> that made I was, it sound like you're not married now, but you, you were, yeah. you were already married at the time. And, um, I remember from the other episode, you sort of talked your wife into giving you a year to like figure it out and see if it had legs, if it would work. Yeah. Um, just to be clear, uh, I'm on my second marriage. <laughs> so, um, oh, okay. My yeah, bad. yeah, 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 yeah. So I, yeah, I went through all that, but anyways, uh, that's, that's a whole nother discussion, <laughs> but yeah, I, at the time I was, I was, I was married to my first wife and, um, you know, she was a very nine to five person. And so, uh, it was, I, I said, Hey, let me, let me try this. I'll try it for a year. And if it doesn't work after a year, I will just go work some, some crap job for the rest of my life. <laughs> so obviously yeah. it worked. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a lot of motivation, a lot of self-motivation. <laughs> yeah. I remember having uh, a similar conversation with my wife when I got laid off in 2017. So I had been building Milo and different aspects of it on the side for like eight years or something crazy. I don't think yeah. I ever would have had the courage to actually go for it myself. Um, but luckily, you know, I say luckily now, and actually at the time I felt pretty lucky. I was pushed out of my job. Like they cut like half of the employees at the company I was working at. Uh. And, uh, and I, I started looking at, you know, all the money we had made and saved through the side hustle and started crunching numbers on like what it actually takes to pay our mortgage and feed our kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and yeah, that, and, and actually I will share this, uh, this isn't about me, but I think it's a fun story. Like I, instead of going home, so they laid us off in the morning and by like 10 o'clock, I like didn't have a job that day. And, uh, and they sort of escorted us out more or less. And I was like, well, I could go home and like freak my wife out <laughs> because <laughs> she's very traditional about like, about thinking about work, which is fine. She, she balances me out a little bit that way. But, um, you know, before all of this, she, I don't know that she ever would have had the courage either for either of us to, to take on doing business full time. But I was like, I could go home and freak her out. Uh, and we could both sort of panic together or I could drive to the library and 
I chose to do that instead. And I drove to the library. I, uh, I, I grabbed a lunch or something and I worked through the afternoon and that afternoon I made like $2,000 or something like oh, that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> so then I went home that night and I had a conversation a lot like what you're talking about, where I was like, here's what happened. First of all, big shock. Uh, we weren't, we didn't see it coming, but here's what we have in savings from the side hustle. Here's what the side hustle shoots off in revenue every month. And P.S. today, working just an afternoon instead of on the side, you know, during my commute or whatever, I made two thousand dollars. And so, <laughs> and so it was like, it's a lot easier conversation. Than <laughs> well, well, I was like, you know, I feel I feel good about it. If you feel okay about it, let's try it. And you know, here's here's the moment at which I will just go back and get another job. I'm confident I can get another job. If it doesn't work, you know, if our savings ours was less time based, like yours was a year, mine was like if our savings gets to a certain point then I'll mm, just go mm-hmm. get a job so that we don't run out of money. Cause obviously that's the big fear. Yeah. And, and it was, it was the best thing that's ever happened to us. You know, I see my kids way more. I see my wife way more. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I, I know, I feel you on that conversation. Like it's a tough one to have um, no yeah. matter what your situation is, whether you're in a really good place or a really bad place. Like it's tough to say, uh, you know, we're going to sort of buck the system and do our own thing. You know, I, I think about that because you, yeah, you're in the same situation, right? Like you're, you got kind of put your back up against the wall, right? Just like I did. And, and you had no choice. Um, well, I guess you had a choice, but you're kind of forced into a decision. Um, yeah. I always look back on that because I, I, I always tell people, I'm like, how awesome would it be to be able to control that situation and, and make that decision on, on your own terms? versus with your back up against the wall um and but like i i look at it i I always i always reflect on it i'm like i i honestly do not know if i would have started my own business if i didn't get fired yeah it's hard when when someone's putting money in your pocket every two weeks or whatever you know to just say goodbye to that i mean my side business at the time was making uh, almost as much, the business itself was making almost as much as I was making in a salary. And and I was oh. working like maybe two or three hours a day on it. Like it was doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, and I still was like so hesitant, except I do remember when, when the CEO got up and started giving the speech and I realized what was happening, I like could not wait to get up and just get out of there and, and go <laughs> figure out how to do it. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, this is my moment. You know, I've been waiting for like the, I got fired story. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and now I have it, I guess. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think, I think though, I love, I always recommend to people to at least have a side hustle because yes, it would be ideal to not have your back against the wall, but even, even in that sort of situation where you get fired, your back's still not 100% against the wall. Like I didn't have to go get a job right away. Yeah. We could figure it out for a couple of weeks, even if we had to, cause we had a, a nice financial cushion. We had a side business that was spitting off some cash flow. And so like, Man, it's so it, it gives you so much more peace of mind and so much more flexibility. You don't have to stay at a job that you hate. You don't mm-hmm. have to like just put up with your crappy boss because you have no other options. Like it really frees up a lot of opportunities to to have a nice, a nice positive cash flow side hustle. Yeah, that, that's a very good point because uh, I mean I did I did have uh, just like you I had some some incoming uh, revenue, you know, not a ton, but I, I had some, Yeah, yeah. but it's like, I, I also had at the time I had the very fortunate thing that I, you know, there was a second income in the household. 
And so right. I, I can only, I can only imagine like, I'm sure there's a lot of freelancers out there that are, you know, solo by themselves. Um, and so, or a lot of people that, I'm sorry, a lot of people who have jobs, like, uh, like working for somebody else, but they want to do their own thing, but they're, they're literally the only income in the household. So that's a little bit tougher right. thing to do, right? Because you have to, totally. you have to replace what income you have coming in. But I like the idea of, of, yeah, just do the side hustle, do it on the side, um, like late at night or whatever in your free time and, and get that income up to where it's close to replacing what you currently make at your job. Yeah. And, and that's what, I mean, we never could have done it had, that, had it not happened that way. That's why I always recommend to people like, like get some legs under you on the side. It, it's hard. Like you have to sacrifice stuff. You, I mean, you know this, uh, you have yeah. to sacrifice a few things, but, but man, it can pay off later if you, if you do it right and it, and it works out. So For sure. I want to, I want to keep chatting, I guess about, so, so early days of freelancing, it was sort of like ramen profitable. Like you were, you were eating off the bottom shelf of the grocery store, like you said, at what point, uh, so we, we know the end of the story, right? You built an agency that was eventually good enough that someone bought it from you. So it, it must've been a, a good agency. Um, what fill in the the missing pieces there between like barely getting by and running at, what was it like 20 25 people uh yeah. for you in your agency something like that yeah so i would say there's a lot of a lot of steps here um that i kind of figured out the the hard way so i i i did it and i i do have to make this credit to you because i started when i first started out as a freelancer i relied on Milo uh, blogs a lot oh, for, for ideas so here. <laughs> I really did. That's a genuine thing. That is a genuine <laughs> statement. Uh, in fact, I got the whole t-shirt idea from, from Milo. Um, but there yeah, was- this is like, this is epic. We'll have to link to this. We've already mentioned it in other episodes we've recorded. <laughs> we just like, can't stop talking about this, but we'll link up to this in this, in the show notes for this episode. But yeah, there's this really sick article from David Tendrick on Milo where he, he shares this like t-shirt technique. Uh, anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll put all the details below, but I mean, I'm so excited to hear that, um, that we were such a good support to you in the early days of freelancing. Oh, for 100%. And, and I, will t- I will say this because like I was not, I, I, I did not know business or, or, or sales or like I was mm. a very timid entrepreneur or like business owner at that point, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and people who meet me now, like they would never guess that I'm an introvert. I, I just, <laughs> right. I just know, I know how to, I know how, when to turn it on. It's just, I, I, I just have to go back and recharge. Right. Um, but one of the, the first step that I took, uh, and this is the whole reason why this, the whole t-shirt idea from, from your blog came about is because I knew I needed to get out there and network and put myself out there because I, I was not going to, I wasn't going to networking events or I wasn't like, I was just relying on like just messaging my friends and family. It was all online. Yeah. And I and at some point that I, runs out at some point, like you don't right. have any more friends or friends of friends who need the work that you offer. Yeah. Yeah. It gets like your current network will get exhausted. Right. And so yeah. I knew I needed to get out there and I, 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 I made the decision I'm going to try to get out there and get some business locally, but which would require me to network. And I'm like, I have never done networking in my life and I'm nervous as hell. And so I'm just like, okay. 
And so I got on the Millow blog and I was like, oh man, look at this like cool t-shirt idea. Cause I, I, I think, I don't know what I searched. I searched like networking or something. Um, and I came across that article. And so I got a, got a t-shirt printed, a black t-shirt printed web designer on the, on the front. Uh, no branding, nothing. Like I had, did not have my logo or anything like that. It just literally said web designer. Um, and which is funny because I wanted to put my logo on it. Uh, I wanted to put my logo on the back, but I couldn't afford the second screen. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Printers, like I just couldn't afford the extra fee. So I was just like, just do web, web designer. Um, and, and so that, that was the first step. I, I actually went out there and I, and I started networking. I, I went to chamber events. I went to networking groups. Um, and, and I, I slowly but surely was, I was getting more clients. Um, and you know, that, that was, I, I knew it was, um, it took me probably a full year to probably get like really comfortable to where with my, my revenue levels and knew that I was like, okay, this is going to work. Um, yeah. I would say more like somewhere between eight and 12 months. And, and all this time, it's still just you, right? Yeah, it's just me. Um, I'm doing all the sales, uh, all, the, all the networking, but I'm also doing all the projects as well. So Are you, you're not I, even like subcontracting or anything at that point? You're doing all of it. Yeah, I was doing all of it. Um, yeah. Wow. And I've never, uh, just side note, I've never subcontracted, subcontracted out on, hmm. on stuff to this day. But, um, but yeah, it, I was doing it all. I was working a lot of hours. You know, I was probably pushing 80 to 100 hours a week. Um, just, just, uh, because I was doing everything, I was wearing 17 hats, Yeah, but I, yeah, that was the first step. I was just networking like crazy, just putting myself out there, you know, getting the, get the name out there. Um, And when, and when did you decide to finally hire someone and who, who was it? Like what kind of work did you hire out for? Yeah. Uh, so this is the interesting thing because it was, it was about a year later. It It was in, it was April of the following year. So it was February, 2015 was when I started. It was April of 2016. Uh, that I decided, okay, I need someone, I need help with uh, someone to do the sales part, right? Just get out there and and make a name, get get the name out there. And I would do all the designs, right? And so I hired this girl um, uh, and she, she was working for another digital agency, but she was working in sales. And so I was like, it's perfect, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, so I did and it, it, it was going great. It was going great. And I don't know when this happened. It, so when she came on and I would say this is the second thing, and this is probably the, the, the single biggest factor of how I grew super fast was we switched up the business model to doing nothing but monthly recurring revenue. And so prior to that, I was doing what probably every freelancer does. I would say, okay, you want a website, it's going to be $3,000, $5,000, $10,000, but I want it all up front or half and half, right? Right. Um, so I was doing, that's what I was doing. And then, so I, we switched it. We switched it and, and I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I was, I was very skeptical about this. Um, and, but I was like, all right, let's, let's roll the dice and, and see what happens and, we switched it to monthly. So we were like, okay, if you want a website, custom website, uh, we switched it to 200 bucks a month. That's all you got to do is just pay that first month and it, and it being on an auto auto charge recurring monthly. Um, and our, our sales skyrocketed. 
Like it was insane how much our sales went up. Um, and so that was, I would say that allowed us to, uh, when I say skyrocket, it only took like a month or two to get enough revenue to hire. We hired our, I hired our, the third and fourth person in, in May. So let me think May. So I hired Kate in April. I hired the third person in June. I hired the fourth person in, in July. That's nuts. So, yeah. I made enough That's revenue to growth. be able to do that in that short amount of time. And and did the clients have to commit to like, you know, 12 months of this $200 a month or was it just? Yeah. Like, could, yeah. Um, what, what were the terms? Yeah. Yeah. So at that point we did, uh, it was a, it was a 24 month deal. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, we, we ended up switching it later to where it was no long-term contract. Um, and we can, we can talk about that if you want, but we, yeah, it was a 24 month, um, agreement basically. So you, so you basically knew that over, over two years, you'd be getting close to five grand from each new customer that you signed. Yep. So not, not only did you have like some nice cash flow in the moment, but you also, this is what I love about monthly recurring uh, models. Cause I'm the same way. It's like, now, you know, exactly what you can plan on for at least 24 months into the future, right? If they're, if they're committed oh, to that yeah. 24 month uh, payment, now you can hire all you want because you know exactly how much money you're going to make, at least at a minimum. That's if you don't yep. sign any new clients. So, you know, month one, two, or three, after you get that first round of clients and you know exactly what you're going to be making um, and you can make business plans to, to reinvest the money, to hire people, whatever it is you want to do um, from that point forward. Yeah, it, it, goes, it goes both ways. Um, it's, a, it's a lot easier to plan for scale uh, and right. growth. Um, because just like you said, I, I knew guaranteed how much was coming over, coming in for the next two years. That's like if I made zero sales. Right. Um, but on the other hand, too, especially right now <laughs> with what's going on, uh, just I, I, in case listeners are listening to this like way later, like this is when the coronavirus is happening right now. Yeah, uh, we're like only on a couple weeks into this big <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but especially in times right now when, when, when things are a struggle or like some sort of disastrous event happens, like having that monthly recurring revenue coming in is key. It's like, a lifesaver. It's it a is. lifesaver. I mean, it's the, it's the equivalent of having a, a paycheck. Like all, yeah. the, all the reasons that you're afraid to leave your day job and start freelancing full time, not all of them maybe, but a, a huge portion of them can be solved by building in some sort of recurring revenue into your business. Because what you're afraid of is not every two weeks getting a, a direct deposit in your bank account that, you know, that you can plan on and budget around and that you just know is going to be there, whether you, you know, kind of don't do anything at your job or not. Like you, most people actually, I feel like I read a study that you can get away with like bare minimum at your job for a year before your boss will fire you or something like that. <laughs> and so yeah, sure. like, I, yeah, whether you, whether you, you know, do what you're supposed to at your job or not, you can plan on that paycheck. Most people can for yeah. even just a couple months. Uh, and, and it's the same with a, a recurring model. Now, obviously you want to treat your customers as best you can, but there's this predictability that brings just some reassurance and helps you sleep better at night. Okay, just really quick. I love where this conversation is headed. So after the break, we'll dive back into this portion of the conversation, but here's a quick break from our sponsors. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? 
Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. I mean, I think every business, I don't, I don't, I don't care what business you're in, you can somehow creatively think of, of trying to generate a monthly revenue. Like I, I had a, a videographer friend of mine um, just yesterday and, and he, he and I got on a call just talking business and he was just like, cause I told him three months ago, I was like, Hey man, you need to get on this monthly recurring revenue model because he was doing the same thing as similar to web designers that he was just like, Hey, you want a video? Okay. It's going to be three K five K. Right. Yeah. One time, one time transactional type thing. And I was like, dude, one thing you should try is try to sell a business on a quarterly video, but you charge them monthly. Right. So you spread it out throughout the year. Yeah. And so he did, he took that advice. He started doing that. That was three months ago. And he, he told me yesterday, he goes, he goes, his words, he's like, I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart that you told me to do this monthly thing because it is saving me right now. I love that, man. Yeah. Cause he I is like video people are like, you know, a lot of people are cutting back on expenses right now. And so he's not able to get new projects. He's having a hard time. Right. right. And, but he has this, he, these clients that he signed three months ago, he's like, he's getting that revenue in, re- revenue in right now. So yeah, it's yeah. super important. So that's, that's what we did. We changed our model to that. And, and honestly, you know, in a time like this, like people might be more willing to pay, you know, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks a month instead of taking on a new project that's five grand or six grand or whatever. Like they can sort of swallow the pill of a hundred dollars a month during a crisis yep. or during a downturn. And, and it's hard, a lot harder to swallow those big ticket items all at once. 
Well, it's, 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 it, yeah, it's a couple of things, right? It's, um, it's cash flow, right? A lot of businesses like cash flow is key. And if you're having to dish out 5k in a month, like there, there goes your cash flow for the month. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Especially and, smaller businesses, medium businesses, that's a lot of cash. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and I would say that was the reason why our, our sales skyrocketed because it's a, it's a lot easier to buy into 200 bucks versus like, okay, I, I need to dish out, you know, thousands of dollars right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say it, the second thing is it's just psychology right now. It's just like it, everybody is so used to monthly, like monthly bills, you know, everything's monthly. Um, and so it's a lot easier for somebody to get to wrap their mind around that versus like, okay, I'm going to dish out a whole bunch of money right now. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but we live in, in, we live in a paycheck to paycheck world. So people do, they think that way. Like I don't, I don't condone living paycheck to paycheck by any means, but people certainly think that way. They're like, well, you know, that's how people buy a car. They don't buy a car by the price of the car. They buy it, buy it by the price of the lease or the monthly payment monthly that it, payment, that it yeah. takes to, yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy in some ways how people think. And it's a lot easier to swallow when it's a smaller number. And it, it's a lot easier to see if it fits inside your, your cash flow or your budget for the month. So I agree. Okay, so, yeah. so you're, you, you built this sort of, uh, you, you, like you said, you rolled the dice on this monthly recurring revenue model. It takes off. How quickly then are you hiring even more people? You hired your first three additional people. You had a team of four, it sounds like. I mean, how quickly did the rest of that team grow and what happened with the business? Yeah, so we, we so it, 2016 was the second year. So I spent all of 2015 as a freelancer. 2016, I, it was a team of four, including myself. And that's what we, that's what I remained at for the remainder of 2016. Um, and then in 2017, that's when we actually kind of, we exploded like in a good way. Um, we added on new services. So that, that was, a, that was another thing that we decided to do to help scale and be diverse is like we added on SEO we added on social media, like we added on all kinds of digital marketing stuff. And, and was, this, was this new clients with these new services or existing clients or kind of a mix? It was a mix. It was a mix. Um, we, the, the reason why we expanded into new services is because uh, it, it was 100% because of our current clients asking if we did these things. And so for the longest time, we we're like, no, we don't currently do it. But we got asked that so many times. We're like, okay, well, let's like, obviously there's demand and <laughs> these people trust us. And so <laughs> right. like, we just went ahead and added it on. And so, yeah, we, we added those things on again with the, the monthly recurring model. Um, and so by the end of 2017, which was, which was the third year, uh, we were at 11 people. 11 That's nuts. People. That's yeah. nuts. And then we... Uh, 2018, we doubled again and we were at like 20 something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy to think like four years, you know, freelancers listening right now who I would assume you're listening to this show because you're interested in scaling. You know, we, we talk about this on other episodes that we haven't aired yet, but there's, there's nothing wrong with staying small. Like if that's your jam, that's your style, then just stay small and just work just yourself. That's fine. But there are lots of people listening who want to build something more scalable, more reliable, more predictable, that doesn't depend on them as much. Four years is not that long. Like if you think right now, maybe you're a solo freelancer. If you think four years from now, you could have a 20 person agency where you're managing the day to day, 
uh, on your own timetable. You have positive cash flow, predictable revenue. Like that's kind of a dream. Hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. That that is a dream. Um. It was. You know. What's so funny is that that was not a dream that I had in I had in my mind when it happened. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. What do you mean I, by that? I, I wanted to, I wanted to stay small and boutique actually. Um, I wanted to be less, I wanted to be like five people, but you know, it's, it's one, it's just one of those things that you have to make a decision. It's like, okay, well, there's a lot of demand. Um, what do you do? Do you stay small or do you scale? And so obviously I chose to scale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying small and boutique. I can certainly see uh, after, after doing both, I can certainly see the uh, the benefits and and the the reasons why you would want to do that, for sure. Yeah, com- completely. And even you know, e- even a team of five people, like I would say, is 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 closer to the founder side of the scale than the freelancer side of the scale. You know, we'll we'll talk in future episodes about this scale of like freelancer to founder, which we're going to sort of base all of our future episodes on um, with our guests, but. I think, uh, you know, even a team like, you know, the team that runs Milo, it's, it's me and at any given time, three or four other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like we run a nice solid little company. We each get a nice little paycheck and, and then we spend our free time not stressing about the business and about scaling and growing massively. And it's a nice, what people would call a lifestyle business, but, but for a small team instead of one person. So I think there's, there's value all along that, that scale, you know, we're being very intentional about that. I think, um, I think there's plenty of value in choosing how big to build your company because with each, each size of company come different challenges and, uh, and different sacrifices that you have to make. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I I think the magic number is 10. Uh, Oh, interesting. Yeah. This is my opinion. Um, and this, this is where it's like, if I just remember when we hit around 10 people, that's when things started becoming like more HR focused. Like we had Uh, to incorporate a lot of HR stuff. Um, because like when you get, when you grow to a certain size, like you have to think about this as a, as a business owner and you have to think about, okay, what are your potential liabilities? Right. Um, and so we had to, we had to, we, we started getting more, I hate to use the word, uh, more corporate. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so funny because I, I, I was always against that. I was always like, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be the opposite of corporate, which 30,000 foot view we were. However, there, there was a big difference from when we were five people to 20 because that's really interesting. Yeah. Because like we, you know, we were, we were, uh, we had to implement things like, okay, we have handbooks. We have, we now had, we had to implement a vacation policy. Like even though we had unlimited vacation, but we had to like lay it out word for word. Like, okay, this is what it actually is. Um, whereas before when we had five people, it was just like, you know, you know, like just take off when you need to, but just get the work done, you know? But then at 20 people, we had to like actually spell it out in the handbook. You got to sign it. Like, that kind of, it's just like, that's, that I mean, that's, those are the kind of things you have to keep in mind as you're scaling a business. Like we For say, sure. it's, it's fine to stay small. Those are some of the reasons it's fine to stay small because some people, you know, you probably, and I, I've talking to other entrepreneurs, 
you give up then some of your creative time or you have to hire someone to take on the HR roles or the management roles or the CEO role. Like you can't, you kind of at some point can't do both where you're yeah. the creative director or the, the creative building websites um, and also running a 20 something person business. It, it doesn't jive a lot of times. Um, yeah. I, yeah. That, 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 you know, that's a, it's just a really good point because there were like, I, by the time we got that big, I was doing zero creative zero, literally. Yeah. I was doing, I was not building websites. I was not doing any kind of marketing. I was, I was not involved in any kind of project at all. And were I, you okay with that? Or, or did you not like that? Um, you know, at first I was okay with it, but there was like, you know, deep down I'm a creative. So I, I needed, I needed a way I was okay with not being involved with projects. Like I was involved with the planning stages of it and kind of like overview. Yeah. This is the mechanical stuff. engineering you like yeah, figuring out yeah. the systems and the processes mm -hmm. and the, yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, I needed a creative outlet. So I needed to do something. So like I, you know, I did things like, you know, I, I did a couple of videos on the side or something like that. So, which, which was fine with me. Um, but it's very interesting because yeah, like you said, once you get up to that point, you can't do everything. It's impossible. And so what's, what's funny is because, when I first hired Kate, I hired her as a salesperson and I was doing the project work. Well, we evolved as we scaled. And what's funny is she became the operational person, right? She was the, she was the COO and I became the only salesperson in the company. We did not right. have a salesperson. And that's what I spent... 95% of my time was sales. That's it. So, so she became the operations, chief operations. Yep. And then, and you became uh, basically like biz dev and, and sales and, and uh, client acquisition, all that, so, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, that's, let's, let's, um, let's, well, before we fast forward, before we move ahead, I, I do want to, I feel like maybe we've talked down the idea of like growing a bigger company. It's probably my fault. <laughs> I guess what's the, what's like the biggest, uh, what was the best thing about that experience before you sold the agency about working at the agency at its 20 something person level? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I think this is going to be different across no matter who you ask. Uh, but for me, uh, this is, this is a very interesting and very good question. Uh, for me, it was, I became an authority and that was, I, I loved that. Um, because what do you mean? I, what do you mean you became an authority? So I became known in, in the community as, okay, Clay is the guy that you have to go to when it comes to digital marketing and websites and things like that. And so like, that's what I loved. It's, 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 it's so bizarre the way it happens is when you're a freelancer, or even if you're a small boutique agency, there's, there's a certain level of credibility that you can achieve. Um, but when, you're, when you are at a certain level, when you reach like 10, 15, 20 people, there's, it's so funny the way it happens, but like, and it just kind of happened organically, is now people view you as, or they viewed me as a, uh, like this big authority person in the community 
um, just because I had employees. <laughs> ah, interesting. So, yeah. And I, I love that. I love that because, and there's not a lot of people, like some people don't want that. They don't like right. to be in the spotlight. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because I, I'm, you know, narcissistic or anything like that. It's just, I, that's just one thing, me being in business development sales, I'm an entrepreneur, like that's one thing that you have to achieve is, is high credibility. Yeah. And so it certainly makes like inbound, uh, inbound sales work a lot easier. It, it, it makes it all in terms of sales and business development, it, it makes it all work quite a bit easier. Yes. 100% because it's, it, it, it's one thing whenever, it, if you're sitting in front of someone, a business owner, and you're talking to them about, uh, you know, you're basically pitching your service. Um, if, if you're a freelancer or if you, even if you have like five people, it's, you almost have, it's, it's, it's more difficult to sell them. But if you are sitting in front of a business owner and you have 20 people on your team and they know it, 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 it's almost like, okay, show me where to sign. I'm in. (laughs) Well, that's definitely, definitely an upside. I love that. Yeah, I loved it. Well, I, I have been asking too many questions and we're maybe running a bit long. I want to, I want to tackle two, two last things, if that's okay, Clay. Yeah. Um, first is I want to touch quickly on your decision to sell the agency. That's a big decision. Um, why you decided to sell and then what you've done since then, um, where life has taken you and, and how you're now, how it landed you, you know, where we started this story, which was running sort of three different brands at once. So first, I guess the selling of the agency, what, what was the catalyst for that? How did that get, get started and, and why did you ultimately decide to sell? Um, so there's a couple reasons. Um, well, first of all, I had no desire to sell. Um, but you know, as life happens and so there's, you know, when, when, when certain things in life happen that, you know, you have to, it requires you to make decisions. And so a couple of things that happened to me was I, you know, at that, at this time I was, I was divorced. Um, and I had formed a relationship with my current wife. Um, and, but the, the, so this is on a personal level. Um, she was living in California at the time I was in Arkansas. So that's a very long distance relationship. And so, um, we had at the time that I was selling the company, we had had a long distance relationship for a year. And so that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was a good driving factor. And my agency was very Arkansas focused and, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't live in California, uh, and run an Arkansas company. Like that's <laughs> right. just very difficult. And so that was a driving factor. Um, another driving factor was just full transparency. My, so I, I ended up making Kate a business partner of mine. Uh, so she was the first hire that I made. So she became right, yeah. over, over time, she became a business partner. Um, just full transparency, her and I did not have, uh, we had kind of different destinations on where we wanted the company to go. And so that was something that we were kind of butting heads on. We, we got along great. Um, but as far as where we wanted the company to go, uh, we, we did butt heads. And so that that's one of the things you have to, kind of think about is whenever you bring on a business partner is like, okay, do you have the same destination? And so, yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. We, that was, unfortunately, that's something we didn't talk about. 
um, whenever I, uh, you know, let her become a partner. And so, um, you know, we, we did butt heads and coincidentally at the time <laughs> we got a, we got an offer to a, a competitor, a local competitor wanted to buy us out and the whole, the whole company. And he did not want to buy out, you know, just part of our equity, like one partner's equity. He wanted either all of it. He wanted the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to sell, uh, that, that whole deal didn't work out. And so I told Kate, I was like, okay, um, I am in this situation personally where I have a big benefit of, of just selling. And so I offered her my half if she wanted to buy my half. And so that's what I did. Um, I sold her my half. And so now she owns the the whole company. Oh, cool. Okay. So now she's yeah. running the agency. You yes. got a nice sort of cash payout to start whatever was next. Yes. Um, and she still runs the company probably in a lot of the similar ways that, that you were running it. The brand continues on and, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer involved at all. So I don't, right. I don't know what's going on internally, but from what I can see, it looks very similar to where yeah. to the way we ran it. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Your, you know, your brand can live on as a bit of a legacy to, to the, you know, that four or five years of, of pretty intense work and learning where you were, where you were doing this for the first time. And, and then obviously, you know, you got a little bit of cash and, and were able to do whatever was next, which was, which was what you moved to California. You did some consulting, um, mm-hmm. as, as a, what, as a marketing sort of person or, or what kind of consulting were you doing? It was in, was it in Silicon Valley? Yeah. Yeah. It was in the Bay area. Uh, so I sold it June of 2019 and I sold everything I had <laughs> and I moved to California in July, the very next month. Um, and so, yeah, I did, I had, so I did have some clients out there already. And so that's, that made it easy. And I, I all I did was I, I didn't have an agency. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was just, I was just doing some high level consulting for, some businesses out there. And so that's, that's what I was doing. Um, I I love that that. because you sort of, you, you, you took what you learned at scale and then you were able to apply it at a sort of backwards now or reverse from what you did before, which is now you've just applied everything that you've learned. And now you're a one person business again, um, hustling to, to work with people and, and, uh, and just, I just love that. Like the story can ebb and flow. Like, like you're not trapped in, being a one person business and you're not trapped in being a 20 something person business. Like it can ebb and flow depending on the stage of your life you're in or what, or what you want out of life or what you want out of work. So that's, that's really cool. And then you moved from California to Texas, right? When was that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I moved to California knowing that we were moving to Texas. So I knew okay, we were, got it. yeah, I knew I was only going to be there for six months. So we moved, we moved to Austin um, because uh, Alex, my wife, she's, she's from Texas. Um, so we moved to Austin in uh, December of 2019. So I, I was only in, in the Bay Area for five, six months or so. Um, so, but we were, I, knew, I, I knew going out there that we were moving, so. Got it. And now, you know, it's right now, it's end of March, 2020. Um, and so you've been there a few months and, and you're building now, uh, you've got, it's cool because um, you told me your wife's got a, a uh, chiropractic, what, what is that called? Chiropractic <laughs> clinic. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. A chiropractic <laughs> clinic. Uh, your wife's got a chiropractic clinic and then right above that in the same building, you, you've got now your office space as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So we we leased a two story building. Uh, we have the whole thing to ourselves. She has the entire first floor. I have the entire second floor. Um, and so it's kind of a good it's kind of a good uh, vibe. We 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 actually work well together, but there are times where we need to be separated, and so it's easy for me to just go upstairs and and close the door, and, and it's easy for us to separate. So it's 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 really nice. Awesome. And you and you're mostly building Dripify from there, or yeah, what, what's, what is most of your work happening there? Yeah, I would say 90% of my work is Dripify. And okay. so that's, you know, when I, when I worked the agency, even, and even when I was a consultant, um, I'm still consulting, but um, I, you know, there's a lot of businesses that, that we worked with businesses that, that paid us a lot of money every single month. I mean, it's like thousands of dollars. Um, but we, we, I came across a lot of small businesses that just didn't have that kind of budget, but needed it. And so there's a big market there. So I, I decided to, to start uh, Dripify, which is just, it's a, it's an online learning platform. It's, it has, uh, you know, a ton of digital courses in there, but it's very sales and marketing focused. So it's, it's everything that we did in the agency for all of these big brand names, except it's step-by-step how you do it. And so if somebody wanted to learn how to do it for their own business, uh, but can't afford the thousands of dollars, you know, it's, it's a really small fee. This um, is actually but- a really cool model. I love this because, so I, I remember a few years ago in a different capacity, I called, um, uh, I think it was like a Facebook advertising company or something. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to, to do some Facebook advertising for me. We walked through the whole thing. And then at the end, she gave me a quote and it was way over what I could afford at the time. Um, and so I declined and she was like, well, that's fine. No problem. We have this we have actually a course that's like 200 bucks, um, which was way more, way below my budget, uh, mm-hmm. way more affordable for me at the time. And she's like, and it'll explain everything we were planning to do if you just want to do it yourself. And, you know, it's not as convenient. It's not as nice. And we're going to be better at it than you are. But if it's all you can afford right now, here's another option. I think I've used that as an example for other people to, to capture some potentially lost customers you know, people yeah. who you would have made zero dollars from before. And now you can at least make two or three or five hundred dollars from um, mm-hmm. if they if they need like a lower budget option. So I love that you're sort of doing this now as as its own thing. Um, but I but I'm excited to see what, what you learn from it and what you can share with us over the course of the season. I think the listeners now can see hopefully what I've seen, which is like you've got some incredible experience now to share with us and with our guests throughout the season of Freelance Defender that we've got coming up. Um, we've, in all transparency, we've done a couple calls already. Your advice has been incredible. So I'm excited to air those episodes and let people hear uh, the kind of advice that you're able to give people based on, on all this experience that we've talked about today, on your backstory, on, on everything that you've been through. It's a lot, um, but, but I think it's going to prove priceless for many of our listeners and certainly the guests that we have on the air. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at FreelanceToFounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.